Hey, friends. Hey, I'm so excited to announce that Side Hustle Pro is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network family. That's right. Your girl is on a network after six years of being independent. And if you don't know, HubSpot is the audio destination for business professionals. Make sure you check out shows like Being Boss with Emily Thompson or Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy Porterfield, one of my personal favorites, and my new favorite, My First Million. All right. I am so excited to be a part of the network, you guys. So check out all of these shows and more at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla matthews Akome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, I have Cody Elaine Oliver. Cody is the CEO and co-founder of Black Love Inc., which is the premier 100% Black-owned partner for celebrating 360 degrees of Black love. The media company, founded by Cody and her husband, Tommy Oliver, is a hub for Black couples and singles to have transparent conversations around relationships, parenthood, dating, and more through their app, podcast network, documentaries, and live events. Cody is an NAACP Image Award-nominated director and co-creator, and she is building her legacy with a mission of authenticity and love. And in today's episode, she shares how she started forging her unique path in media. She also shares how she and her husband, Tommy, self-funded Black Love, Inc., plus the strategic moves she made to pitch Black Love to a network while maintaining ownership. And she also talks about the systems that she has in place to manage a thriving career while being a mom of three, including twins, and so much more. Hey, hey, guys, welcome back. We have an awesome, awesome guest in the guest chair today. Cody, welcome back to the Side Hustle Pro guest chair. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. Yeah, now that you've done a few of your own podcasts, like how does it feel now being back in the guest chair? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. This is probably the first podcast I ever did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you, you know you're a trailblazer, okay? You know that. Oh, um, I'm trying and trying out here. <laughs> so <laughs> you have been up to so much. I mean, I'm just looking at all that you and you've done with Black Love and what you're continuing to do. So I, of course, need to give the folks a, who didn't listen to your first episode, which was so long ago. Matter of fact, I mm-hmm. didn't even look what year that was. It was probably 2017, 2018. So Give us a peek into your life. Like, when did you start forging your own path? Yeah. Oh, girl, my own path. I probably started forging my own path after college. But I know, you know, because... I was thinking of you when I saw all the Howard homecoming stuff on my feed. And I was just trying to think, like, I wonder how, how do you go from a traditional college background at Howard to where you are today in the media industry and starting your own media company? But not just that, my parents are doctor and lawyer. So it was definitely a lot of like going against the grain, right? Um, Of course. And so how did I get here? I mean, I've always been creative. I've always been, I would say, an artist. Like I was acting when I was little and singing. And I basically, at some point I was so into acting. I was on a TV show in sixth grade. Like 
I ultimately had to choose between that and athletics because I also played sports year round. And, you know, when you're in high school, you got school, you got these two things were taking over my life and I really had to pick one. And so I Mm. picked athletics and I have zero regrets, but um, that creative part of me was always there. And so fast forwarding, you know, just summarizing, I even chose my major in college, which was business at first, because Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to be like in finance, but everybody needs business (laughs) majors. So I'll go work somewhere where they're doing creative things and like just be be in the room where it happens. Right. And I changed my major to broadcast journalism. But um, (laughs) then I, I graduated. I worked in broadcast journalism and I hated the news. And then I was mm. like, nah, I really need to be creative. I need to be making up stories, not telling the real ones because yes. the real ones, they'd yep. be a little too much. And um, yep. and so <laughs> so I went to film school at that point. And my parents oh. were so, so supportive, but they had no idea oh, what I wow. was doing. Listen, all of this is so relatable. All of this is like, <laughs> you know, change a few parts, but so many of us have this right. experience. It's interesting that, you know, especially given the stories that you tell now and help to bring to the big screen that you gave up the acting. Did you ever see yourself in front of the camera again? Yeah, I thought about it. When I was in college, I took an acting class. When I went to film school, I don't remember if I was ever on camera, but there was lots of opportunities to sort of just collaborate with folks and just like be, yes. you know, on all sides. And so I certainly right. was like, man, I'm moving to LA. Like, is this something I want to think about again? But no, I've never could, prioritized yeah. it since. I've never made it a thing. And you got to put effort into it. You do anything, anything that you want to succeed at. And mm-hmm. for me, I always want these kind of episodes where I talk to creatives like yourself to inspire people who are on the fence, who are like, yeah, that is something that's calling me, but how am I going to make money? What's that really look like? So Mm -hmm. I always want people to see how it's possible. So for you going to film school, did you have those fears of, will I really make money or will I just graduate and like have a bunch of screenplays under my belt? Listen, I'm sure I thought... (laughs) I'm going to be big, you know, like there's no way I could have done that without feeling that way. Now, look, once, once I got in the business, it was like, oh my God, there's no way to make money here. (laughs) But (laughs) when when I went to film school, it was, you know, I was super passionate about storytelling and, and what was possible. Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew that, you know, the entertainment business could yield a lot of money. The same as the like right. journalism business, right? Then the broadcast journalism business. But there's a certain level that you have to get to to make that money. And everything else pays pennies. Um, and mm-hmm. I knew that. And, and so there was no doubt that going to film school with my, you know, with who I am and what I'm capable of and, and how I like to how my ideas are so unique. (laughs) There was no doubt that I would be successful, but it was very hard. It was certainly not, I was certainly not successful for a very long time. And so how how did you structure your career in media, both in film school and once you graduated? Um, So I had no idea what to expect going into film school. Like, what's the path after that? Right. And I think I just Mm -hmm. thought you go to film school and you get a job and whether that job is like in a studio or something or whether that job is on a set. um, I I will figure it out. And 
And that is part of it. That is that is a path. And then Mm -hmm. and then there's nuances to like, well, what kind of job yields what I ultimately wanted to be doing, which was producing. So all of this, of course, I learned in film school. I had no idea going in what to expect. And so my expected path was to work for a producer and go rise in the ranks alongside them. So maybe be their assistant okay. and then be a coordinator and then be an executive. And now, now I'm producing. Um, I think that's what I, that is what I expected and wanted, what I thought the trajectory was going to be and what I pursued. I mean, I was very intentional. I did every internship, every internship, sometimes two a okay. semester. Um, wow. And tried to be really thoughtful about which ones as well would really give me the most relationships and understanding of the business. And, and I'm, and I, you know, I'm proud of that. Right. I feel like I, I feel like those experiences are all paying off so much later. Right. But, um, but there was a time at a certain point where it was just like, nothing felt like it was paying off. And, um, and so, and so I questioned everything. <laughs> yeah. And, you have to. and yeah, yeah. I, I left the business at some point. What do you mean by that? You went and got a quote unquote real job. <laughs> yes. I, I had been working at the Los Angeles Film Festival, which was also, well, okay. I got hired as the assistant to the festival director at the Los Angeles Film Festival. She's also a full-time yes. producer. So I was like, this is a win, right? Little did I know when I got hired that Film Independent is a nonprofit organization that runs the Los Angeles Film Festival and the Independent Spirit Awards and year-round labs for filmmakers. And mm-hmm. as a nonprofit, everybody does everything, right? So basically, okay. my film festival's gig was like five months. Independent Spirit Awards was like five months. And then what's left, too? So then there's, you know, which, which really, the labs were year-round, so they overlap with all of it. Right. Oh, so uh after several years there and many things that didn't go the way I wanted them to go or projects that I was working on on the side that were not um, that were not coming to fruition um, and then having personal stuff. My dad was sick and I was like, man, I don't even have enough money to just like fly back and forth to have the freedom to go home Mm -hmm. as much as I want to. So I was I started applying for jobs you know, I'm, I'm very much a safety person, right? So it was like, Same right, here. I'm, I'm going to try to find a job in the film business, but at Discovery, which was in um, Silver Spring, Maryland. I went to Howard. So that was down the street for me the whole time. And I knew okay. that there was more stability within their structure. Or I'm going to um, go work at a PR firm. I mean, there was nuances to it, right? I was like, what are my skills? I'm, a, I'm an event right, producer. Right, right. I'm creative. I can do marketing. Da, 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 da. So I, I ended up, this PR firm became an opportunity um, where I would work with Canon, uh, the camera company. They have a line of cinema cameras that they were, that was new at the time. And I was connecting them to filmmakers, but through being their publicist. And, um, and so I took that job because it paid regular adult money and, you know, consistent money you can rely on. Yes. 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 And, um, and was a new experience and, and, and didn't leave me, uh, waiting for someone to buy my script or, you know, green light my project. It, It was a job. Right. And so that's what I did. And that was me leaving the business only to meet Tommy, ah. my husband, six months later and uh, and then leave leave the, the PR firm. 
<laughs> dive head first in. So we're going to yeah. get to that in a minute because I always love that story. And what I love about your journey is the fact that there are times when we have to supplement our income. All right. The side mm-hmm. hustle is not always going to pay us on the road to profitable business. We have right. to supplement and you got to look for that because don't you find you're able to make more clear headed decisions when you are not worried about money? <laughs> I would say a hundred, a hundred and thirty percent. And, and everyone's yes. not like that, right? Like yeah. Tommy's not like that. Um, <laughs> he's really good at making clear headed decisions all the time you know oh, there's that whole very much I think a skill it's in, yeah uh, and a personality i think right i think some people either are born with it or cultivate it um mm-hmm. but I, I that ain't me i think it's yes. rich dad poor dad that talks about well i mean they talk about a lot of things there but just even just the mindset of how can i afford this and not i can't afford and as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur or anyone with a, a, a side hustle or just a hustle, right? Like yep. it can easily get so scary when you're like, well, I can't do that. Whatever it is, yep. I can't do that. Yep. Instead of having the mentality, how can I do that? Which I how hear, can I'm I even saying it to you, right? I recognize right. intellectually, I understand it, but that is a muscle that people build. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is a muscle. So I'm glad you said that too, muscle, because a lot of times we talk about mindset on this show and the mindset shifts we need to make. Mm. Even today I was talking to, I had a call with my website designer and I was saying, instead of saying I'm behind, I've been starting to say I'm catching up. Mm, <laughs> like, but yeah, it's so real. important to shift your language to yourself because you feel so bad about yourself when you say certain things. But it is a muscle. You don't wake up and it's like, oh, I put on this new Mm -hmm. mindset now. So muscle Mm -hmm. is probably a better word to use, like building the muscle. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about another another good one. I um, instead of saying uh, uh, sorry for my delay, like I'm horrible with emails in life right now. Sorry for my delay is like constant. Uh I I heard on a podcast. um, Thanks for your patience. Yes. Oh, I love thanks for your patience. Or you know what I love? I love coming back after weeks with without further ado. (laughs) I love coming back with that. They're they're looking at me sideways like I'm like, hey, guys, without further ado, here it is. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. It's real. briefly how did you go from working in silver spring now to meeting tommy and starting black Mm. love (laughs) yeah so we okay so the pr firm was here in la so i was working um in la and i uh, my job was to go to film festivals and try to Mm -hmm. entice filmmakers to use canon and i had the opportunity to gift or lend them cameras for free for their projects so we went to sundance we went to south by southwest we went to other like trade shows so the toronto film festival was where i met tommy we were we were activating there with our equipment and all that stuff in a in a daytime lounge where the filmmakers would come in and that's where we met and we started dating very quickly we we got engaged after six months but even before then so we met september 9th 2013 by mid-october we talked about black love maybe even earlier Uh than that 
I was like, I have this idea that I've been thinking about and I don't know if it's a documentary because at that time, documentaries were not on my radar. Like I knew that they existed, but I thought they were boring and yep. like, who does that? And yep. this isn't science. Um, so so I, I, I talked to him about it and he was really excited by it and he was like, let's do it. Like, let's go. And that's how it started. We convinced camera, uh, Canon to give him a camera loan because he was a filmmaker <laughs> that we met at the Toronto Film Festival. We convinced Love Canon it. to give him a camera loan by January. And mm-hmm. we started shooting one year after we met. I love that. So now you guys just finished your last season. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, if you guys want to hear more about the journey of growing that, you can go back to their Cody's very first episode. I'll link to it. But I'm interested to know now, looking back, you know, Black Love was such an impactful journey, right? It's such a... Mm-hmm. It's just done so much, showcased so many different stories. Um, We've seen so many couples, some we know, some we don't. What would you tell yourself now, knowing what you know? (laughs) What would you tell Mm -hmm. yourself at the beginning of that journey? You know, the beginning was long before I met Tommy. And I don't like the Black love journey has been so perfect in a lot of ways because it was something that had been on my heart for a long time. And I didn't know exactly what it was like back in 2008. Right. I did not know. I, I thought it was a coffee table book and I thought about documentary. Like I definitely thought about it and just ruled it out. Right. Um, but I knew I wanted to create a place where black love stories live. And so at every stage that has been the central goal And so when it was a coffee table book and I went and did interviews with couples in Chicago, because my cousin was from there. She was like, I know a lot of couples. We just went and took pictures and did audio interviews um, in 2008. I I don't regret anything about that journey, that that time. I, you know, all of it helped me develop the muscle of interviewing couples. And what did I want to know? And what did they say that then informed my next conversation? And then meeting Tommy and deciding to do it as a documentary. And then a few things changed in in the landscape with uh, the OJ doc and making a murderer, which like both of them are very dark. But like the fact is people were watching series, docu-series. And it was like, oh, wait, we can do that. And so the choice to pivot and then ending up at OWN, which was always my first choice for it. Um, It being at OWN and, and then the reception once it was on air, like, the, the black love specific journey has been really positive, yeah. even in its negativity, even when we when it wasn't any of those things. It was a doc that we were shooting and we were trying to get grants and people were like, no. Right. And people were questioning it. It's still nothing I would change about that journey because um, it also led to us even owning it. I don't know that we would have pursued the ownership. I don't know that we would have kept shooting it ourselves the way that we mm-hmm. did so that by the time we pitched it, it was a show. It wasn't just a pitch on a piece of paper. It was a show with a first episode cut already. And and so that gave us more leverage. When you talk about the ownership piece, that's also really Mm -hmm. unique as well. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. end up on own, but then you're self-funded and you own it? Like, tell us a little bit more about what what does this all mean, like, in the granular sense? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, people um, will have a great idea and... Maybe film enough to create a sizzle 
And even the sizzle doesn't have to be your show. It doesn't even have to be the exact subject, subject meaning like person, but you want to create like a tone reel, something that somebody can get right. behind and say, okay, I want to pay for you to make whatever. I'm going to pay for you to make one episode so we can then decide if we want to do it. Or, hey, I love that and I want to pay for you to create this show, scripted, unscripted, whatever it is. And um, and then they own it because they paid for it. That's what's okay. typical. And even the way we did it, it could be they could make a case for like, well, we're now having it, distributing it for you and we're going to pay for future seasons and um, and we're paying your costs. So we own it now. But that's so the difference was that we were like, no, we've already done so much. We've already done the entire first season. At that point, we gave them episode one, a sizzle um, a sizzle that represented the whole season and a detailed mm-hmm. written treatment. At that point, we gave them that, but we had 50, 60 interviews. We were ready for season two at that point. Wow. So you had filmed complete yeah. interviews. Nice. Complete. And we had filmed. Yeah. That's the thing you, to your point, like people will go in and they'll like, I got what I need for this sizzle. So I'm out. We've talked to people yep. for hours. Um, wow. So we had all of that content. So you negotiated, of course, the, the, ownership of your intellectual property. Yes. And at a lower fee, most people aren't willing to do that, right? You Mm want to make your sizzle or write your script or whatever it is and say, here, pay me a whole bunch of money for this. And I'm the creator, but you own it. And in our case, it was like, okay, well, owns looking at us as any network would. And they're like, okay, you can own it, but we're going to pay you less for it. um, Because we're Mm -hmm. not seeing the the upside where we're getting, you know, we can, but we can get ad revenue against it, but we can't put it on our network for 15, 20 years. We can put it on our network for the term that you give us. Mm-hmm. So that was the difference. And and as a result, it meant that the future episodes, future seasons were more valuable to them because they had negotiated a lower license fee to um, you to, to license the show. And in order for them to continue to get it, they, we would have to renegotiate all the time. So it was just it was just a different approach. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. So what do you see happening with the inventory of just awesome seasons, content, all of that rich content, if they weren't to, you know, continue licensing it? Well, the thing about it uh, is that what us licensing it to them rather than them owning it allowed us to license it elsewhere. So it is on Discovery Plus. It's on Hulu. It's on uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime um, as well as own. And we also retained um, the right to stream it on our Black Love Plus app, uh, which is a free app. Nice. You can get on your phone, on your TV, your your Roku, your Android, whatever Mm -hmm. you got. And there's a lot of other shows, as you were mentioning earlier, you know, Couch Conversations, which last season was hosted by Kevin Melissa Fredericks and the previous season was yes. Tav and Chance Brown and several other shows. Um, yes, I have been tuning network. into Couch Conversations for sure. Love so that one. We, we have a podcast network as well. And one of our mm-hmm. most popular shows is Black Love, The Interviews. So where uh-huh. you watch OWN or you watch the docu-series and you see a 42-minute episode where any one couple's in there for the maximum yeah, yeah. eight minutes. Eight minutes maximum per episode. Uh-huh. When you listen to Black Love, the interviews, you're listening to an hour of Viola Davis and Julius Tennant 
or Brian oh, Tamia, or you know, yes. you're listening to the entire conversation that we had with them. Yes, now that I love because yeah, there are times I'm like, I want more of this couple. Just cut everyone else. <laughs> I want to hear from them. <laughs> Well, now you got it. You, you got know, there's it. always that one that that story that you resonate with the most. So yeah, and that was important to me. Yeah, yeah, that was super important to me because I fell in love with the couples. I fell in love with like, man, I wish we could tell that one story about when they went on their first date and this happened. But you don't have time in a TV show. Yeah. So it was important to me to be able to share that with people. Hey, while you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing something else too, right? You're probably driving or cooking, maybe even doing a load of laundry. So think about it. While you're engaging with your clients, your listeners, or your customers, they are probably doing something else too, which makes growing conversations beyond that initial moment pretty challenging. Well, HubSpot, which is a CRM, customer relationship management tool, helps you go beyond the moment by managing your relationships with customers. They do this by connecting you and your teams, giving you access to the exact same data and helping you see the full customer picture. You can see what motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can really exceed their expectations. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, operations, and service, HubSpot powerful CRM platform powers you and your teams to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. You hear that? That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the e-commerce platform with everything you need to run a successful online business. I use Shopify to sell my Side Hustle Pro merch over on SideHustleShop.co. And if you have a signature gold Side Hustle Pro mug, then it came from my Shopify store. I love Shopify because Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling gold mugs or candles, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you can customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. This podcast actually started as a side hustle, as you know, and it's now my full-time job and running my shop on Shopify helps make this possible. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash hustle pro. Go to shopify.com slash hustle pro to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash hustle pro. I'm 
also interested, of course, in the financial piece of this. So how do you fund this again? Is it a thing where you guys are working full-time jobs or um, how are you funding this without giving away ownership, taking on investment? Yeah. So when we started, we both, we, I wouldn't say full-time jobs because we were in the film business. So when we started, we were, <laughs> Tommy had just pr- produced a movie in 20, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tommy had just produced a movie in 2014 um, called right. The Perfect Guy, which was a Sony movie. It was a nice little check for a 30 year old at the time. Um, and then we produced an indie film, which was not a nice little check, but it was fun. And, um, <laughs> And we did that at the end of 2014. And then I don't remember everything, but, you know, we just, we took jobs, right? Like film related yeah. jobs. So they were, you know, film just, jobs, you know, yeah. a couple months here and there. And, um, and that's what took us through. Or Tommy, he's also a writer. So he might write a script that mm-hmm. he gets paid for and they maybe pay for rewrites, mm. et cetera, et cetera. All of that was happening. All of that was being cobbled together. <laughs> To create a life. Got it. I didn't even have health insurance when I got oh, pregnant man. in 2016. I did not have no! health insurance. Oh, my God, Cody. Yeah, I mean, I got it. I got health insurance once I got okay. pregnant. But going into that, <laughs> right. like that's where we were just like hustling. And, yeah, you're like, um, oh, God, we got to, you know. Yes. Got to get some say, things they, together. They say babies bring blessings. So in 2016, uh-huh. that's also when we licensed the show to own. Like, we were already making nice. it. We licensed it yeah. to own by October. I think uh-huh. September was really when the conversation started picking up. He was born October okay. 4th. Wow. So, you know, went from no health insurance to it a was whole like, uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't there something about that first baby? Like you might have some, especially as entrepreneurs, that first baby is entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. It's we like gotta so get scary. some things together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can have yeah. a whole other, maybe I need to, you know, we need to have a whole other mama's conversation about that. But um, <laughs> yeah. I am so glad you mentioned that though, because, um, is it kind of a blessing to to work in the film industry? Because, yeah, usually on the show, we're talking about nine to fives, which are, you know, more mm-hmm. of a corporate structure. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, when you it's like a gift and a curse uh, or a benefit and sometimes a hindrance of mm-hmm. being able to work in an industry that's so flexible that you could work for a few months, get a, yeah. you know, if it's a good job, bunch of cash and then not work for a bit to work on your own project. But you have that cash. Yeah. That's, I I would, I don't know that I would compare the two, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. something about knowing month after month, there's a check coming and there's benefits that come with that. And then there's something Mm -hmm. about, like I said, the, the, the perfect guy, the film that he worked on, it was a, it was a substantial amount of money for, let's say three months of work, right? Most people might make Uh that whatever it was in a year or something. Um, but in the film business, you don't know when that next job is coming. That's true. That's fair. So it's just, you know, different perspectives and different ways to make a living, so to speak, to make your dream happen. What are you working on now? So you have um, other creative projects going on. You have a podcast. Tell us a little bit more about that and how that all came to be. Yeah. So, you know, we have been doing most of the things I'm about to say for for years, but obviously the show first off takes a lot of my time and energy. Tommy of and I course. created an intimate environment where it's just the two of us with the couple. So there was no other crew um, from from the beginning. Like, hey, my name's Cody Lane Oliver and we have this show and we want to interview you. 
it was always me mm-hmm. because we wanted to start okay. an intimate relationship with the couples as early as possible. So we're not talking about publicists mm-hmm. and managers. Sometimes, right. yes, but we just tried at every step to create a, mm-hmm. a, a closeness. Um, yes. But that took a lot of time and energy. And so mm-hmm. we have, in the process of all of that, we launched the Black Love Summit in 2018, um, now going into its fifth year. We launched blacklove.com 2018. Um, still like, every time I say that, I'm like, we did those at the same time? Um, we, I was also uh, having twins in November 2018, and we launched those this things This is wild. <laughs> very, very um, wild to me. Like, mm-hmm. you're wild. like uh, too, a superhero girl. to me. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I don't know. I don't know how it happens. Um, And and so we've been doing those things for five years. We have uh, year round events. So once the pandemic Mm -hmm. happened, we started doing virtual events as well. We did a women's Mm -hmm. wellness retreat that we'll bring back in 2023. Um, Oh, wow. And we try to be a part of, of, man, cultural moments isn't the right way to say it because like we try to be Mm -hmm. a part of giving our our community um, tools and information in, in the mm-hmm. only ways that we know how, right? Through transparency mm-hmm. and and listening to one another. And so for instance, during the pandemic, we did a town hall with um, various doctors all over the country to give people insight on like, what are what questions do you have about COVID? Like this was at a time when yes. we, no one really knew what was going on. And right. we had, um, you know, ER doctors and like we had people really giving tools and tips and insights and answering direct questions when it felt like we're just reading articles that don't actually pertain to us because you didn't, I didn't get my question answered. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we we had a, we had lives with midwives so that women who were having babies in, in hospitals and out of hospitals could understand what it means to feel prepared. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are the things that we do, you know, black maternal health is super important, but to me yes. and to, to our brand, but the, the pillars that have always remained important um, from the beginning, but especially with the launch of blacklove.com, you know, right. romantic relationships and dating, um, parenthood, physical and mental health, um, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and community. Yes. I'm trying to make sure I'm not leaving anything out. So we, <laughs> we try to make sure that we're, we're hitting those things every step. Okay. And so we, we launched the streaming service where we have all of these series that we created from a show called Doula Dads to Couch Conversations to um, all of our summits are there. And mm-hmm. um, we also have a podcast network with several podcasts that range from, yes. if you remember, Kariga and Felicia Bailey, who were on Black Love Season 5, I want to say, who um, mm-hmm. their first daughter transitioned the day she was born. Um, wow. So they became angel parents. And they have a mm-hmm. podcast on our podcast network talking about grief and love. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. They We have another podcast on the network that is a couple who's been together over 30 years. They are life coaches and dating coaches, um, the amazing Clarks. And they talk about dating and marriage and, and life and, <laughs> and really just thriving from their unique vantage point. And then I am the host of a podcast called My New BFF, where I interview people who mm-hmm. basically that I want to get to know. <laughs> um, I interview people who like, I want to get beyond whatever they're known for. So if, if they're a mm-hmm. singer, like Mickey Guyton, who's a country singer, like what else? Like, how'd you get here? What's your journey? Um, yep. Nina Westbrook, who's a, who's a, 
UCLA basketball player. She's married to Russell Westbrook. She's also a marriage and family therapist. Like these are people where like I see them on Instagram and I'm like, girl, yes. tell me. Like, I know I follow her on Instagram and yeah, like I, I yeah. absolutely love her and I don't know her, but yeah, I, I would want to talk to her I, too. Same. I was like, I'm a fan and you have twins and so do I. Can we talk? Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and then I, and then I host so the how- Mama's Den with three other yes. mamas. I've been seeing your awesome um, (laughs) content on IG. And how do you, you. as you're planning out the Black Love platform, how do Mm -hmm. you decide which ideas to go after so that you are not doing too many things at once? Girl, that's a good question. I don't think we decide that very well at all. I mean, for real. I would say that something we're not great at, right? Like Mm -hmm. for the first couple of years, while I was editing, like like producing, directing, editing the show, Tommy produces and he's he's very hands on in the in the production phase and then like giving uh-huh. notes on cuts. But like I'm in the thick of this thing right. for like eight months at a time. Um, mm-hmm. So while we were in that phase, he would very much drive like we need a podcast network. We need an yeah. app. <laughs> we need to do this. And um, and they were always great ideas. And so I would be like, okay. And then we weren't necessarily set up to continue whatever it was. So it would become very stressful. Mm -hmm. Obviously we have Mm -hmm. continued um, Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for it, but it's been very stressful at times where that's a conversation now is like, how do I in particular not take on too much? Because I do Mm -hmm. love, so I mean, not to blame him. I was just using him as an example because he's very entrepreneurial. His background is economics and business and film. So he's like, running with these these big ideas and then for me it's like yeah i want to do this town hall and i want to which i think ended up being the same time as like the u retreat or that year or the, the summit you know uh-huh. i want to i want to i want to host this podcast i want to host that podcast oh wait now we have to continue doing those things oh wait now we have to get yeah. people to, to sponsor them and buy into them yeah. and so you need a whole workflow am, behind each thing yeah and then as you know like as a mom your the motherhood journey comes in these phases yes. where you might think yes briefly for me you might think like oh <laughs> we're in a pattern we're in a routine i do this every time you get into what is gone is gone and then you look up and i'm like how did i get here with all these responsibilities right. and people looking at me like so what's next <laughs> people from from three to 50 are looking at me like what are we doing? <laughs> right, right. It's uh, like you are the captain of many, many ships. And <laughs> yeah, let's touch on the motherhood piece for a bit because you guys, we tried to do this interview a couple of times and we keep we kept having to reschedule either me or Cody. And, you know, it's funny. The last time that we rescheduled, I told my oh assistant, my I was like, you know, she has three kids. And she that was it. That's all I needed to say. <laughs> she was like, I can't even imagine <laughs> She has two. I have one. And we were like, I don't, I can't even imagine. It's nothing like negative about it. It's just an understanding that you have when you become a mom. Like stuff comes up. All right. Like every day you wake up, you literally do not know what is going to happen. You might go into their Mm. room and all of a sudden they're congested. It's like, where did this come from? Why are you sick? (laughs) You got to go to school. (laughs) Right. You got to get out of here. I got stuff to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, what systems? Or people have you put into your life to help you so that you can still go after your dreams? Yeah. So I have a nanny who I love, who is like the key to everything. 
Yes. Um, I want I want her to live with us. Uh, <laughs> to never How leave did you ever. find her? Listen, I'm just going to plug care.com. Okay. Okay. Uh, they, they should give you some money. They should give me some money. Um, but I actually have found all of my caregivers on care.com. Oh, um, wow. Okay. And of course there's word of mouth too. I would, you know, but mm-hmm. all of the long-term folks, oh, I'll say two yeah. out of three, two out of three of the yeah. long-term people have come from care.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and so a lot of people are like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm nervous to meet strangers. And I always tell moms, like, you can have somebody come in your house and you're there. Like nobody's yeah. telling you to leave on day one, right. like, be there, right. watch them, learn yep. them. But, um, yeah, so that's how I, we found each other. And funny enough, this is, this might be a lesson for like any job interview. Mm-hmm. She was the first resume this particular year, obviously, like which oh, wow. she's been working with us for almost two years. So this was just two years mm-hmm. ago. She was the first resume that came through. Mm-hmm. She was super professional, which like, it isn't always the case of like nannies and babysitters, right? They're, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a different, different, um, I don't know, different mindset. Um, she yep. was super professional. And and I was like, there's no way it's the first one. Like, there's no, I have to interview more people. <laughs> like, right, no right. And Tommy was like, listen, if, the, if the, she's the one, she's the one. And so no regrets. Best thing oh, that's ever happened I to love me. to hear that. You're going to make me try care.com again because, yeah, I wasn't as lucky. And oh, yeah. I, it's just, it can be a little bit... But I've met some before. Like, I mean, I'm gonna yeah. be honest. I know. I, I I think it's safe space. I mean, I look for. I care about. Um, you know, brown women and young mm-hmm. women. I, I yes. everybody's different. Some people like a grandmother, a grandmother type. I like somebody who's gonna keep up with these kids. No disrespect. Mm-hmm. To the I like somebody who, who's gonna jump around, run around with them. So That's... who's gonna feel like a big sister type? That, uh, that was like my okay. mentality when looking. Uh-huh. And um, and so I go in and I look, I, I weed out <laughs> based on uh, melanin. And, yep, yep, um, yep. and then I just, <laughs> yes. I just try to reach out to a bunch of people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do, you know, I've, I've done phone interviews, I've done Zoom interviews and then in person and all of that. So it's a process. See? It's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's hiring, hiring for sucks. your life. Hiring for your life is, yeah. is something that, um, you know, we all got to get better about. I talked about that yeah. on a solo episode about, you know, how I just really, that was brought to my attention, um, actually reading Rachel Rogers' book. But yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. you, you can't get good at hiring for your business if you aren't yet good at hiring for your life because what's more important than who's taking care of your kids and you know who's going to be in your home Mm -hmm. doing these different things like that's really really important so um you know it's a it's a learning curve and something that we can all stretch our muscle on and it will actually help us in our side hustles and in our business um agreed and then also help us to go after our goals because i was listening to an interview i think it was with kerry washington last night and she just talked about how I forget the quote she said, but she talked about how she saw a quote that, you know, like you don't have to choose between being a mom and being and having this awesome career. And she had put that on her vision board one year. But um, Mm -hmm. I was just reminded of how I know so many of us now who we have big dreams, big goals, and we're going after them. (laughs) It's like it's not one or the other. But we still do have to talk about the sacrifices that come with that mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. the juggling. So yeah. what what has that been like for you in terms of is it losing sleep? Is it um, maybe mm-hmm. going after less things that you want to go after? Like, how have you found adjusting to going after both of those things? Um, I'm going to say, weirdly, 
There's very mm-hmm. little that I don't go after. And I don't, I don't even think I'm like that ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really I don't. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm just saying that You're like right. when something comes my way, when an opportunity comes my way or when there's something that uh-huh. I want, I'll yep, start yep. to plant the. So if there's something I want, I'll plant the seeds. Right. If mm-hmm. there's something that comes my way and I'm like, man, I want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe what it is, is right now my life is set up in a way that I, I can do that partially because of Erica is her name. And so I, but I understand what it has been like when I didn't have that same flexibility. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and so I heard a quote last year that is, you can have it all, but you can't do it all. Mm. And that really stuck with me mm. because I, 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 I do believe in that even if I didn't have the words for it until I heard this quote. Um, mm-hmm. But the lesson is like, you, you got to figure out how to outsource to people. Um, whether that is housekeeping, nanny, gardener, even HR for your business, um, whether that right. is paying someone, right? We're talking about side hustles, whether that is paying someone to build that website that you don't really know how to build, but you're trying because, right. because you learned on Nikayla's podcast that it's easy <laughs> to learn in Squarespace. For some of us, it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's not. But the point is like, don't beat yourself up over it. If you mm-hmm. know that like spending this little bit of money to get that thing done is going to make your life yep. easier and better and move yep. faster. Those are the, those are the like things that we have to think through. How will mm-hmm. this help me? Is this the right investment for me um, in order to have the life we want? What we spend our money on, like those early investments, yeah. it is, it not only does it pay off, but also it starts to, train us to invest in our business like a real yeah. investor like to, yeah. to to really look at what we're spending and say all right i would rather put this hundred dollars towards hiring someone on fiverr to do this thing for yeah. me you know yeah. and but we just got to remember to not also spend another hundred on amazon <laughs> like we right. actually have, it, have to shift the allocation <laughs> it's like knowing that the decision matters right it doesn't mean yes. you're guilty because yeah. you bought the shoes or the whatever right. but it means that if yeah. you're just looking at the shoes you're like dang i could have i could could have done this and then i wouldn't be stressed right now trying to build this website at two in the morning (laughs) right it's having this clear picture of like what what needs to happen what the choices that you make mean yeah right before we get into the lightning round another thing you said i really wanted to touch on which is this this idea of always being asked what's next, right? And mm-hmm. I, I used to do that and I've really, you know, stopped and tried mm-hmm. to remember not to in the last few years because nothing needs to be next. And I say that in terms of, you know, let me know how you feel about this, but in your career thus far, a lot of things that you've done and what you're currently doing, you could have never pictured. So if you try to tell people what's next, like that, it's not even going to be what's next. <laughs> Because yeah, what's next, yeah. you can't, pro- you probably can't even visualize right now. You know what I mean? Like if you're truly working towards this life that you're going yeah. to be leading. So I want to just affirm you in that and say, like, I believe in you. I believe that you're, you're walking already in your calling and that, you know, no matter what you do, like individually, it might look like, oh, it's just this or, oh, it's just that. Mm-hmm. But it's actually mm-hmm. way bigger than that. Um, yeah. As a fellow podcaster, you know, who still <laughs> struggles with, oh, I have a podcast. Like how, <laughs> that still sounds so like, you know, but it's bigger but than that. you are the original podcaster, that. okay? 
you have helped a lot of people with this with this podcast like yes. tremendously and I and I Thank have you. seen it, but also just knowing yeah. it in the early well, I wouldn't say the early stage. Like when we did that yeah. interview, I think you were still a hundred. Oh, it was the early stage. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was early, it was, but it you was were still deep. Stages. You were still mm-hmm. deep. You know, you got to so, scroll all the way back. Yep. Yeah. So thank <laughs> right, you, thank right. you for that. So now we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Um, No Google, no celebrities. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with a side hustle pro audience? Like I said, no Google. (laughs) My assistant. (laughs) And how did you find your assistant? Oh, good question. Word of mouth. Number two, who is a black woman entrepreneur that you would switch places with for a day, non-celebrity, and why? For a day. Morgan. Morgan Debon. Yeah. And why? Um, because of what she's built. Because she has, you know, I did not come into this thing with, with anybody's business degree or MBA. And so mm-hmm. to sort of step into her world where yes. she has this purview that I don't mm-hmm. um, would be fascinating and empowering. Number three, what's a non-negotiable part of your day? Uh, coffee. <laughs> uh, number four, what is a personal habit about you that you think contributes to your success? I'm going to say my like friendliness, like my like, engagement with people and then finally number five tell us what is your parting advice these days for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss but are scared Mm. to lose a steady paycheck i was scared too um that's not that's not advice um yeah it's okay to be afraid but if you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing you have to give it a shot Love that. Love that. And with that, you know, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. Where can people connect with you and all of your many projects (laughs) after this episode? (laughs) Um, I would say Instagram is great. I am Cody Co, Um, Mm C-O-D-I-E-C-O. I don't do enough sharing about my business stuff on Cody Co. So go to Black Love at Black Love, which is our Instagram. Our website is blacklove.com. Um, it is, it is me. It is a part of my being, um, everything that we put out over there. So I would say those are the best places to, to find me. And we will link to those in the show notes, you guys. And with that, there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.